Hello, Texans, and welcome into NRG Stadium in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer with you, and this is a very unique Friday. And I don't know if very unique is redundant if you just say unique, because how much more unique can you get? But I've got Drew Doherty and D.P. Sidhu with me, and usually this is our Tuesday Fuddruckers show lineup, but it's on a Friday, so I'm feeling festive, like I'm having comfort food, but I'm not. And here we go. And now you're going into the weekend, so it's just a double bonus it's for you. It's perfect. Drew, me, and the weekend. Just got a bottle of water and a cup of coffee instead of your shake. And your yeah, we don't have a milkshake for you, though. Yeah, Sorry. I drink coffee all day long when I'm broadcasting, doing things, or have other caffeine products. All right, here we go. Top three stories heading into training camp because minicamp, as we all know, is over. And I know we still have the general manager situation left incomplete. There's really not a whole lot to add right there until there is. So let's find out all together, all together now. Can't wait to see how that resolves itself. But since we really can't wave the magic wand and get that done tonight, let's get this done as we're all looking forward to what's happening on the field. And I pointed out this week before, what's most important is the game we love the most inside the lines, the game on the gridiron. So top three stories heading into camp, following minicamp, and training camp won't begin till late July, but let's start with you, DP. What's your I mean, I'm going to take the easy one. This could be one, two, and three, but I think the O-line and all the questions surrounding how the young guys are going to do out there uh, between Max Sharping and Titus Howard, are both of them going to earn starting spots after training camp? No one's seen this offensive line, the 2019 version, in pads yet. And this was one of my top stories heading into OTAs as well. I wrote something on HoustonTexans.com, and I said, even though they're not in pads, you don't really get a true sense of how they're going to play together. That's what everyone's going to be watching. And mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien got asked about it multiple times throughout his press conferences in the last month. But, I mean, I think once the pads come on, that's what everyone's going to be watching the O-line. And it's been one of the key uh, areas that the Texans have been trying to improve. Yeah, that, that's, that was one of mine. And I can't wait to see how, it, how much it crystallizes uh, basically the first day of camp through the first week of camp, through the second week of camp, yeah. through the games. I mean, it's going to change, I think, quite a bit from time to time to time to time, and then it's going to look different than what we saw the first day camp compared to what we see Monday Night Football at New Orleans when the season opens. And I think Bill O'Brien said this the other day. He said he really likes, relative to not wearing pads, how they've improved their knowledge and their footwork. But I wonder how much of that's going to change the coach's perception of what they know about the players once the pads come on. Because I think once they see them in pads – what if their perceptions of the players changes? Like all of a sudden, this player looks better at this position rather than this player. You know, I, yeah. I just, I just think that you know, are the veterans going to come in and sort of win their spots again, or are the rookies going to show something that they haven't showed so far? Well, I think a wild card here in that mix is Matt Khalil because as he gets healthier, let's say he gets one hundred percent healthy going into camp, at some point he will be, and at that point, do they just stick him right in there? assuming that he's going to be who he was or could possibly be when he was fully healthy playing for the Panthers or the Vikings before that? Or are they going to just wait till it plays out and give the job to somebody else? I don't really know how they're going to handle it, and I think that's going to be a story worth watching. Tell Bill O'Brien to turn his radio down right about now, please. Okay. All right. Coach, go to music. Go to the spot. Because Listen to Madonna. Super Tramp. Super Tramp. Do they play that on the spot? I Does don't know. he listen to Madonna? I no, don't know. probably I, I not. think Max Sharping is is going to be really good. I think he's yeah. going to be really good really soon. I think he's going to be – I think he'll be a starter week one. So week I don't know, one. And I don't know where, but mm-hmm. I think he's going to start week one. Well, you know, Titus Howard, first-round draft and choice. I think he's going to be really good too, but I just think a little bit quicker 
Mm. Uh, Max Sharping. It might Howard might start as well. Yeah. One, but I think Sharping is very, very impressive very early on. There are a lot of variables here, and just to see them line up through OTAs, you thought, okay, maybe this is a vision. Maybe this line you're seeing, this particular version, this day is the one you're going to see. But I want to see what Julian Davenport does after that full season of playing, yeah. basically, and then off season and the determination. We had him in this studio a while ago, and he just seemed like not a different guy, but just a guy who's growing up in his NFL life. So let's see how that pans out as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I that's interesting that you say that about Max Sharping, because I wonder with Chantrell Henderson coming back, I felt like last year they really liked what they saw in him because mm-hmm. yeah. he's like the most veteran guy in the room. Now, right? I mean, I think so. I think by years. Well, I'm not check. saying that he's going to supplant Sean. I mean, I, I'm, and he's, yeah, I think you could see both of them in the starting lineup, Henderson right. and Sharping. So, so, so. If, if Sharping does make the start, the starting lineup, then what happens to Chantrell? And then what, because it's a domino effect. Well, yeah, it could well, be Chantrell at tackle and yeah. then Sharping at guard. Yeah. Uh, you could have Khalil at That's another true. tackle. You could have Davenport play there. You could have Howard there. You could have Howard at guard. You have a lot of different possibilities here. Greg Mance, you know, Greg Mance is a really steady player for them when they play him. We, we haven't talked about him enough because he, it's like you say, he has been steady. He played both guard spots last year. And he was okay. Mm-hmm. He, a couple years ago, he started all but one snap the entire season yep. at center. He was very, very capable at center. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely a valuable guy to have on the team. And he's also, if you talk to guys on the offensive line, he's the guy that gets everybody amped up and always brings the energy at practice and is always a positive influence. And that... I know that sounds kind of rah-rah, and that doesn't sound like a big deal, but it is a big deal, and you just ask the coaches. They'll tell you how important that can be because sometimes you get down in the doldrums. You have a losing streak. You know, things aren't perfect. Well, you need people like that. Joe Webb was also mentioned in the same vein. You need guys (laughs) that, like, raise the spirits of the team. Deshaun Watson is another one who gets people – ready to go, and holds them accountable. I would have Webb talking to those young players all the time. I know that happens through osmosis, Mm -hmm. but Webb, his ability to stick around in the league, the stories he can tell. You were drafted as what? I was drafted as a wide receiver for the Vikings, and I ended up starting a playoff game for them at quarterback. What? Yes, it happened, and that's what the more you can do thing does for you. he's one of the best special teamers last year for the Texans. Speaking of veterans, I just want to say Sunil Kelmete is the most veteran Offensive what about Khalil, though? What about Khalil? I'm eight. thinking. Yeah. They're all right there. So Khalil's got eight years. Kilomete has seven. And then you've got Fulton and uh, Henderson with six years. Well, there's some I wasn't counting there. Khalil because right now we haven't seen him out there yet. We didn't so. even mention Fulton in this conversation yet. And the funny thing is, as we talk about this, all of a sudden, hey, they're really deep. Well, maybe not as deep as they want to be in terms of the quality they want to have, but they do have options. And I think that applies to a number of position groups on this team. Okay, other storylines. Give me your second. The secondary, especially the cornerbacks. I think the safety position, we have a pretty good idea of who's starting back there to Sean Gibson. I think you're better at safety this year than you were last year. I don't know if you're better, but I think the questions that were raised with Tyron and Kareem leaving, I think they feel good with where they're at. With Justin Reed. See, I think they're better because you get more starting. Justin Reed had the least amount of starts out of those three guys last year. The other two, to Sean Gibson, started all 16 for the Jaguars. Jaleel Adai started all 16 for the Chargers. They won a playoff game. He's your third safety now. I mean, he's yep. taking the spot of Andre Howe. I mean, he's got a lot of experience. And then Justin Reed looks like he's on the way to a Pro Bowl career. 
I mean, I think you're looking really, really good there at the way back end of the, the second. Okay, but with that being said, that means the questions that remain at cornerback are still there because Absolutely, a yeah. few storylines have emerged throughout OTAs, specifically with the health of certain players, because you see guys sort of get banged up, come back. Um, I know Bill was asked about Bradley Roby, who came back towards the end of OTAs, but then Lonnie Johnson wasn't out there practicing. Uh, you know, who's going to be the starter opposite J. Joe? Is it going to be Body Calhoun? We see Jermaine Kelly come back. And he's got the most experience out of the new guys because he was here last year. This is even where though he wasn't playing. When I talked about options, this applies. And then Aaron Colvin. Aaron Colvin. I th- see. I think when you look at the corner position, you're looking at that slot, and then you're saying who's the outside guy. Now, I think Brian Body Calhoun and Aaron can, and Aaron Colvin can battle it out for that slot corner. Maybe Crawford as well. I don't know who else. But when you look at that outside corner opposite J. Joe, and let's just pray J. Joe doesn't realize that he's getting a little older because I think he can still run. He looks pretty spry out there, so that's great. But then you look at the opposite side. You do have Kelly as a dark horse. You have Roby, who has a lot of experience. I think you're better there than you think. I just don't think you're great. You can't say that on paper right now. But I think you're better than you were because Kareem had to play inside a lot last year. You didn't have Kevin Johnson, right? So that didn't work out. You got Kayvon Webster, but he could never get on the field because he was banged up. So... I think if these guys could stay healthy, you'll find somebody who can play. You were playing guts of the game with Sharice Wright and Deontay Burton and players like that and winning some of these games, winning 11 games overall. I think you'll find somebody, but you got to stay healthy there. This is it's, I hate saying that. It's like saying you have to outscore the opponent. But with health, I think you'll have enough options to find something there that works. Something's got to happen. Well, hey, with health, if we want to play the with health game. Yeah, with health. You go on the other side of the ball, mm-hmm. with health – I mean, how are you going to slow this offense down? Yeah, Think about good, it. Good with, question. If Will Fuller, Hopkins, and QT are all there, how in the hell are you going to slow these guys down? Now, they've got to stay healthy. Yeah. But you're looking at an, I mean, uber-explosive 30 to 35 points per game offense with those three guys in the Uber field. Uber-explosive? I don't have that option on the app. <laughs> and then I, you, I don't, somehow that doesn't come and up. And then you factor in the tight ends and what they can do. I mean, which, we, saw, we saw what that's very exciting. Some that's of the been formations they watch. had. I mean, yeah, yeah like they're they're going to have a lot of options on offense. Knock on wood with yeah. health. I uh, the, the receiver group. I was talking about it with McLean last night. You know, you, you look at Vincent Smith, and then you know DeAndre Carter has to be on this team, right? I mean, at least where from where we sit right now, he's got to be on this team. Thank well, you. there's five right there if Smith is an automatic go, and then you have all these intriguing young prospects that. Somehow you have to hide them. I mean, can we get a farm team somewhere? Can we do something? Triple A, you, know, you hate to see them try to get these guys out of the practice squad because if they perform well in the preseason games, you might not be able to pull that off. But between the Johnny Dixons of the world and you know, Floyd and uh, Floyd Allen, and, and then you look at Tyron Johnson, and there are a number of other guys who are interesting. They're just a lot faster. If you, you, know, if you rewind about four years, think about how much faster this wide receiver core is than it used to be. Yeah. Hopkins is Hopkins is fast, and he was fast then. Yeah. But then you've got Will Fuller. I mean, he's a deer. You've never really had guys like that. I mean, Andre Davis way back when, but yeah. he wasn't as productive. Now you got Kiki QT. Vincent Smith is pretty darn fast. He's a burner. I mean, you have gotten a lot faster than you were at that position. I think that if Will Fuller stays healthy, I mean, he could be one of the all pros. You know, he yeah. could be up there. Wow. I mean, he, he, does he could be one of the, I mean, yeah. He, he's so much fun to watch, and he's so explosive, and I think that the Hopkins-Fuller tandem is the best in the league when healthy. It, it we just haven't be, seen enough of it. 
Yep. It, I mean, you mentioned it, and with QT, I mean, my gosh, the options you would have available to you as Deshaun Watson, and then you have the tight ends. We talked about the line. The line should be better, right? How much better did they have to be to be that much more productive? They were pretty productive with a line that had its issues, and Watson feeling his way through the injury, and maybe Watson learning a little bit. That was his first full season as a starter. You're right. The offense has a chance to be explosive. Do you have any other storylines for me? I wrote about this yesterday on HoustonTexans.com. I think the third running back spot is is an interesting one just because you lose Hmm. Alfred Bloom free agency. You don't draft a running back, which a lot of people thought that the Texans were going to do. But they have seven running backs on this roster, and... You know, they're all battling. You know it's Lamar Miller and Deontay Foreman. It's been great to see Foreman back out there healthy. Lamar Miller is obviously healthy. You know what he can do. So there's your one, too. But who's going to be that third guy to sort of relieve them, especially when one of them, if one of them gets hurt during the season or you you have to take them off the field for whatever reason? So with that being said, I was surprised a little bit that, and I was talking to you guys about this off the air, that Bill O'Brien said Josh Ferguson uh, has had a really good off season because it's been so hard to tell without pads. Mm-hmm. You'll hear from him later on in this program. Yeah, and, and I asked Lamar Miller about it as well. I said, what have you seen out of him? And and he described him as someone who's a little bit smaller, a quicker guy. He can do some things out of the backfield. That he's a playmaker. So he has done some things here in OTAs. But are they going to bring in somebody like a more veteran guy? I, I don't know. Probably not, I would guess. No. I think they've done that with Taiwan Jones. And, you know, he want, they want to get a look at Karan Higdon and Damari Crockett from mm-hmm. Missouri. I don't think we'll see a, a vet brought in. But how about what Lamar said about Deontay Foreman the other day? He's got the best attitude he's ever had since he's yeah. been here. Mm-hmm. He looks a lot leaner and slimmer. I mean, Lamar Miller was basically like a hype man for, <laughs> for Deontay Foreman. And Lamar Miller was a pro bowler last year. I think that's, that's really encouraging to hear that from, from a really good running back. And he's saying such positive things about a guy who's seen – the entirety of Deontay Foreman's pro career. I mean, that's that's very encouraging to me. I thought when Deontay Foreman took the podium and actually spoke, I thought he was hyping. I mean, I felt excited for him because mm-hmm. the fact that he said that he has a hunger that he didn't have before. And I think that happens with a lot of athletes who get injured early on in their career. We saw with Genevieve and Clowney once he had his uh, injury and then rehabbed his way back from it. There was a shift in his attitude, and there was, I think, a passion for the game that, you know, maybe it never went away, but when it came back, it was just even more amplified. And I think that's what you're going to see with Deontay Foreman, and I think he's just so happy to be out there. He's been a lot of fun to watch here Mm -hmm. in OTAs. All right, coming up on the program this evening, don't miss it. We have Josh Ferguson. We also have Peter Kalambay coming up on the program. And coming up next, you've talked about Hard Knocks. You've read about Hard Knocks, that the Oakland Raiders are going to be on Hard Knocks. But among the Texans' opponents, are they really the most interesting subject of Hard Knocks that could have been? What about a team in the AFC South? That might have been better, at least more interesting to me. Anyway, we'll discuss some of that. We've got training camp schedule information coming your way as well. A lot of shaking going on on a Friday night here on Texans Radio. Heading into the weekend on Texans Radio, Mark Vandermeer, D.P. Sidhu, and Drew Doherty with you. Not at Ruckers. We are here in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. I said the Ruckers thing because usually we are. And by the way, this season we will be back at Ruckers, And so far, giving me verbal commitments... DJ Reader, Brandon Dunn, who else? Jonathan Joseph, Whitney Merciless, those four. And you know we're going to have some wild card shows as well. 
in there. So those four guys, minimum, have verbally committed to doing the Fuddruckers Texans Player Show Tuesdays during the regular season. Season veterans for Texans Radio. I they love are. having those guys on mm-hmm. because they've been on enough times and, and they really, you know, when you ask them a question, they really go deep and give you some good insight and some fun stories. You can talk about football. You can talk about personal stuff. Uh, you know, I, the, I think the, those are great players to have on the show. And I bet we'll see the Sidhu boys, uh, all of them, <laughs> yeah. from yeah. Sham down to the youngest. You'll, they'll, just, they'll rotate in and out, yeah. see some Doherty's there as well, so it should be fun. Vander kids <laughs> as well. They do make appearances from time to time. Okay, Hard Knocks has the Oakland Raiders this year, and I think it's going to be good. An excellent choice. They have enough personalities to make it work. If it were an AFC South team, other than the Texans... Because I kind of, it, part of me really likes the Texans having it because you get to see inside in a way that you just don't get to see even when you work in the building. I mean, this room that we sat sit in right now was actually mission control for hard knocks. And those guys had the door. It was like an airplane cockpit door, right? It was boarded up. Like you could not get in here. There was all computer screens because, and equipment. Well, they're watching the meetings 24-7. Yeah. They're watching everything. So... They know that if anybody, and all those guys are sworn to secrecy, blood, oath, DNA tests, whatever. If a random other team employee comes in here, or a team employee, because they're not, they're NFL employees. But if a, if a team employee comes in here, you could actually eavesdrop on all the meetings. How great would that <laughs> be? Oh my gosh, would that have been fun. But I liked having Hard Knocks here for that reason. I know it's not ideal. I've mentioned it many times. You don't want people in your workplace with cameras and microphones and everything. It's got to be really distracting. But it's great entertainment on television. If it were an AFC South team other than the Texans, there's no question in my mind I would want the Jacksonville Jaguars. Same. Why? Absolutely. How come? Train wreck city. I yeah. want to see it happen. <laughs> Like, I'd rather see a train wreck happen in Indy, but I don't think we're going to see it. You don't think Nick Foles is going to be a calming influencer? Well, look, I, I don't think those guys can be calmed that easily. There's a lot of personalities in that locker room yeah, as well. Yeah. Did you see the uh, back and forth between Fournette and Ramsey? Ramsey is saying, like, no hometown discount coming up. Right. Going max. I mean, it's either, I'm going to have to get paid. This was all captured on Periscope or whatever. So, yeah. It Jaylen, plays into what y'all are talking about. Well, I though. met Jalen Ramsey at the Pro Bowl this year, and I thought I expected one thing, but he was actually quite personable, big personality. Uh, you know, a lot of players gravitated towards him and wanted to talk yeah. to him. And, you know, even our players, he's good friends with Deshaun Watson. He's good friends with DeAndre Hopkins. Him and Deshaun were out there a lot, and it just seemed like he had the respect of a lot of players throughout the league. But he's Mr. Personality. It'll be interesting to see if he doesn't stay in Jacksonville where he goes because I do think with the, having the same agent as some of our top players, they're going to be lobbying to get a guy like that here. Yeah, it makes sense. And we saw Deshaun and Ramsey at the fight together about a month or so ago. Yeah. That would be good. So you guys chose the Jaguars. I'd go with the Titans. Ben Jones would be a good storyline. He would be, I think, become well, he'd be fun. darling. Right. You know? Vrabel's a very fascinating guy. Vrabel's good on hard knocks, yeah. and I think hard knocks actually helped get him on the national scene into the spotlight as a coach to watch. Yeah. So I would choose the Titans just to kind of just to be a contrarian. Just to mix it up. Okay. Yeah, just to be a contrarian. I wouldn't choose Andrew Luck. Nah. <laughs> everybody's crowned those guys already, so I, I don't want to... By the way, I, I do like that they're getting crowned already yeah. as division champions and in full expectation of winning the division. So if the Texans win the division, it can be, see, you didn't mm-hmm. pick us. Here we go. Right? Oh, for it. Yeah. It's kind of fun to play the underdog. People forget yeah. the Texans are actually the defending champions of the, <laughs> the division. Champ. I know it didn't feel like it in that playoff game, but they technically are. So there. Other teams... 
on the Texans' schedule that would make a good subject? The New England Patriots. You think so? Well, because they've really not been on it. it. Yeah. They've not been on it. And, that, and I really want to get an inside look because I know that would really irritate them for one. You just see closed doors. <laughs> you see, they, they have to give some access. They'll check out of their building and do everything in a hotel at a remote no, location. But, you, but they have to give you something. And even they, they something do. is better than nothing. And I think they're never on it, obviously, because they're in the playoffs every year. So they're you know automatically uh, disqualified from having to participate in hard knocks. So I'd like to see them just because we have so many personnel people obviously from new england mm-hmm. and we hear about new england a lot so i kind of want to see for myself how they do it i think whenever they do this stuff on bill belichick see he does is, have a is, big respect for nfl films he's got a good yeah. relationship he's so Rogers, good on so, that stuff he's really yeah. really I mean, he's really good to watch he let him in for the 2009 season and they wound up doing that bill belichick two-part special so yeah it would be, it would it, be a that good that was a tremendous mm-hmm. special and that's still out there and that's something that gives you insight into him and them that you just don't get you right. see you him see, you don't see him like that you see him completely differently even in the two bills with which uh rogers did as well uh for i think it was a 30 for 30 yes yeah and that was great but you still don't get the belichick that you get in the 2009 special and it was a season that didn't go well for them in their context. No. They no. lost in the first weekend of the playoffs. They lost to the Texans yeah. here in the final game of the regular season. That was the Welker injury season. It was still a winning season for them, still a playoff season, but not not a Super Bowl season, which for them is a huge disappointment. But uh, that part of it would be interesting. I think the Broncos would actually be interesting with Fangio taking over just to see how that goes because I'm really not sure how that's going to go. That that could be. I think the Chargers and would be Flacco. a really fascinating one because they're they're playing. They're the second fiddles in yep. the city. They don't have the fan support that they used to. Mm-hmm. They're playing in a soccer stadium. Their quarterback is really charismatic, really a goofball, borderline Hall of Famer. I think he is a Hall of Famer, but some people would argue otherwise. I think that'd be a really fascinating team to cover because they're they've got so many obstacles to overcome. Yet they. They won a playoff game last year. Right. I think that's a that's a fascinating crew. By the way, back to the Jags for a moment. They released a bit of content. I think you texted this to me. I didn't see it until you gave it to me. Jalen Ramsey getting out of the car as he arrived. Oh, that was DP, yeah. <laughs> oh, DP, yeah. You gave that to us? Yeah, it was a little slow-mo shot with some music in the background. and I w- and somebody Things knew- we wouldn't be doing. Things that we I, – I even joked. I'm like, so what, what would happen if we just had a player slow-mo walking in for – Mandatory mini. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put a highlight reel of that. Well, I I know that he's good friends with one of their videographers. Oh, is he? Yeah, because he always would refer to him by name in some of their videos. And I met the videographer actually at the Pro Bowl too. So I feel like he probably te- a text was probably exchanged. Mm-hmm. I'm totally guessing here, but hey, I'm going to show up if you want to film it. And of course, doing what they do, and they're allowed to do stuff like that. They 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 put that little video together for him. By the way, my favorite. Maybe it's my favorite ever piece of behind-the-curtain content from the NFL. does come from the Jaguars, and it was a long time ago. And a guy named John Henderson playing on that D-line. And I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about here. All right, here it is. He's going to get slapped. I mean, everybody this is the trainer doing it. Even the big guys, you know, they, everybody say they don't get butterflies, but they do. I told them to do it hard, too, so, you know, don't give me no little girl slap. Give me something to go wake me up or something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> let's go! Yeah, let's go, baby! Let's go! Let's go, baby! There's one more. Oh! I think it was a Monday night game. I was trying to get juiced up for that one, so I had the double slap come. Oh, 
Joe, that ain't good enough. Come on, Joe. Ah! Thank you, baby. Thank you. Make your blood come right out. You got to make blood come to the mouth. Oh, gosh. That is my favorite. I still cringe when I watch that. that it feels like I'm watching the, like an episode of The Office almost. Oh, <laughs> Very that. Michael Scott, Dwight Schrute, like an, an exchange you would see yeah. there. Even though he plays for the enemy, I've always loved that one. I thought you were going to say me on Jalen 2.0 television, how I made a cameo. That was pretty good. Jalen 2.0. That was, that was inside be your stuff. Favorite, your favorite Jaguars content. So I actually sometimes two. slap myself before <laughs> play by Lightly, play. though. You not, do you push-ups don't. when you're cold. Yeah, I do that. Two. And Patty Smith, sometimes we'd be taping these Fox shows and have to do two of them back-to-back, and we'd be getting tired doing these stand-ups or training camp out on the field or whatever. And I'd say, you got to slap me, wake me up. And she would slap me. Hard? Yeah, oh yeah, like definitely wake me up a <laughs> little probably, bit. She probably, knowing Patty, she relished that. She enjoyed she it, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks a lot. Thanks, Thank you. Coming up on the program, I'll lay out the training camp schedule for you, including when the open practices are. Also, Peter Calambine, linebacker from Stanford, entering his second year, he joins us. Josh Ferguson, we mentioned him a bit, a running back. You're not hearing much about. Bill O'Brien mentioned him the other day. He's in the mix in that position group. Let's talk with him as well as Texans All Access continues. Keeping you informed on everything to do with your Houston Texans, Mark Vandermeer with you in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Coming up, an interview with Josh Ferguson. Running back, he's in the mix. They've got a lot of bodies Look at a lot of position groups. You got a lot of bodies. It's a 90 man roster. That's the whole idea of this time of year. Mix them all up. See what you got. Try to get everybody acclimated. You never know what's going to happen injury wise in training camp. I would imagine that the coaching staff at this point, if they had to fill out a 53, could do a pretty good job of it. And maybe you're just trying to determine the final five or six spots, but maybe not. And you also have to survive training camp. You have to go through some bit of training camp. And I know what a lot of you are thinking. Well, gee, Mark, after the fourth preseason game, they always seem to pick up some guys who help them out. Some might, some might not. Last year certainly paid off special teams-wise, especially when you look at Buddy Howell and A.J. Moore and players like that. And then during the season, you acquire a guy from the Philadelphia Eagles like DeAndre Carter. Now, that doesn't fit into this argument here, but my argument about the other guys that you acquire that were on waivers following that fourth preseason game, waived by other teams, well, they went through a camp. They went through the rigors of it, and they're ready to go. Now, you have to get them acclimated to what you're doing on special teams, whatever else you're doing in your system, but at least they went through it, and they're in football shape, so it is important. Now, training camp. I'll get to Josh Ferguson in just a moment. Also, Peter Kalambai coming up as well here on the program. But training camp, we have our dates, and it all starts Thursday, July 25th at the Houston Methodist Training Center. Now, I can see that they're practicing a little bit later than usual considering it's home practice. They're starting these practices at 9, 10 a.m. Central Time which is a little bit different. So we'll see how that plays out. I would imagine they would do some inside-outside. We'll see how they play it, especially early on. The public practices don't start right away. So what you have here is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, they're practicing at the Houston Methodist Training Center, all those practices at 9-10. Then they get the mandatory players' day off. Now all of a sudden you're almost in week two but not quite You've got practices on July 31st and August 1st. Now, you're going to have open practices. Six training camp practices are going to be open to the public starting Thursday, August 1st, 
Saturday that week will be open, and then you're going to go right to Saturday of the next week because on August 4th, they're going to fly to Green Bay and get ready to practice with the Packers. They'll travel August 4th. That's a Sunday. And on Monday and Tuesday, they'll practice at the Don Hudson Center in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And we will be there to bring it to you live here on Sports Radio 610. And I bet that the Sports Radio 610 guys are planning on making the trip as well. Heck, they went to the Greenbrier. This is almost as much fun. I think it's more fun, really, when you're looking at Lambeau Field and the Packer Hall of Fame. And there's so much to talk about there in Wisconsin. Now... On that Wednesday of that week, just to walk through, they'll play the Packers on Thursday, August 8th. That's the first preseason game. Last night we talked about it. Johnny and I discussed it about 24 hours ago that it's golden that you get to face Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford in the first two preseason games. Now, as far as in the game itself, probably not a whole lot of Aaron Rodgers that first week. Maybe he doesn't play at all. I don't know. But you're going to see him on the practice field, and that is so valuable. They will have practices with the Lions the following week. But remember, you start on a Thursday. So after that first preseason game, you'll have practices at home Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then a player's day off. And then you'll go against the Lions on Wednesday and Thursday of that week two of the preseason. So that's going to be very cool. Matt Patricia comes into town with his squad. And you'll see how you measure up against the boys from the NFC North. And then on Saturday, take on the Lions. Now, they don't publish a schedule following that because that week three game is the Dallas game. Up there, you're going to have... More like a normal game week. I hesitate to use the word normal, but they like to get into a regular game week prep thing for that third preseason game. And before you know it, like I always say, once that first preseason game hits, it goes by so quickly. I think it's great that they're opening on a Thursday. More and more teams are doing this. Why? Because it extends training camp. You get to start practices two weeks before your first preseason game. That means you get to open practice a couple of days earlier, and believe me, the coaches want to take advantage of that opportunity. Remember, two years ago, the Texans were playing the Carolina Panthers on a Wednesday night to start the preseason in Charlotte because the PGA Championship was there, and there weren't enough first responders or police officers available to staff that game on a Thursday night, so they went on Wednesday, but they got to open camp early, and that was at the Greenbrier, and that was fun for some people, and by some people, I mean me, because I really enjoyed it up there, but... It was a lot of work as well. And by work, I mean doing what I love to do, which is talk about Texans football. I also like talking to players like Peter Kalambai. Out of Stanford, he's in his second year now, and he played a lot of special teams last year, made some plays for this squad. So we talked to him, John Harris and I did here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, about what it was like to embark on his second season with the Texans. Uh, year two, you know, I'm more familiar in the system, um, I know all four linebacker spots, and I have a lot of experience on special teams. So I'm just looking forward to contributing more on defense and being a dog on special teams out there. Peter, if you have a choice to play inside or play outside and take everything out, what the coaches think, whatever, we you won't have a tell choice. Them. We, yeah, won't we won't tell, tell them. them. They're this not going to hear us. this. <laughs> would you, <laughs> would you pick inside or outside, or, or does it matter, whatever gets you on the field? What, which one would you pick and why? I mean, it's whatever gets me on the field, but, uh, I mean, I have experience at both. In high school, I was more of an inside linebacker. In college, I was more of an edge defender. Um, so I'm not really sure which one I like, but I have a lot of fun playing inside linebacker, and I like that they – I think they're going to have me working out inside primarily this spring, and I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah, what is that like when you're a rookie and you're learning all that stuff, and then you, you need things to be second nature on the field? 
uh, in the field of play during practice, whatever. What is that process like for you? Yeah, it was really interesting because uh, obviously they drafted me as an outside linebacker. We had a few injuries, and then they bumped me inside in, in, uh, towards the middle of the season. And uh, it was just it was like a whole new world, you know, being off the ball back there. Outside, you kind of see half the field. Inside linebackers, you kind of got to see the whole field. You got to deal more in coverage. But um, it's good now that I know how all the pieces of the puzzle that is a defense work together with my experience playing outside. So I can I can tell the outside guys what to do. I can see who's wrong, who's right. I know what the defensive backs are doing now. So the defense is becoming more second nature to me just no matter what position I'm playing because I know how everything fits together. We know you're a smart guy. We know that for sure. But how often and how difficult is it that you went to Stanford, that you're expected to be this – well, you should know what you're doing. You went to Stanford. Did you, have you ever heard that sort of thing? I mean, at Stanford, obviously, you probably heard it all the time. But when you got here, did you hear that? Like the, the stereotype of Stanford guys are so smart, they should know everything. That if you ever made a mistake, it's like, oh, he went to Stanford, he should know. Have you ever heard anything like that? Oh, every day, every day. Um, <laughs> me, Scarlett, Bad, mostly if we make a mental error, which, which is rare, by the way. But if we make a, <laughs> but if we make a, a mental error, um, you know, they're going to be like, Stanford? You went to Stanford. Stanford education. There's that Stanford education. And all uh, you – we laugh about it, but we don't really like it. We laugh about it, you know. It's all in good spirits, I guess. <laughs> Peter Calambay with us. How tough is it to be really good at special teams and good at your regular position? Um, yeah, because you know it's, it's two completely different worlds. Normally, different sets of two different sets of film to study every week. So you just got to kind of divide, divvy up your time, and kind of figure out like, okay, let me watch special teams film for this first thirty minutes. Let me watch defensive film for the next thirty minutes. Kind of figure that out because. It's two completely different worlds, and you're dealing with different players. Um, but I learned from guys in the past, guys like Dylan Cole, Brandon Scarlett, Brian Peters. They they handle it well, so I kind of just glean off them and see what they do. Peter, what moment from last year stands out? 11 wins, nine-game winning streak. Is there a moment for you in your rookie year that stands out that you remember more than any other? Yeah, um, I had a pretty good hit on Adoree Jackson on that Monday night game, and uh, the stadium went crazy and i came back to my phone after after the game and like everybody i ever knew was like oh my god oh my god like i saw that da, 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 da. and i was like well that's pretty cool that's pretty cool because you know monday night that's the biggest stage so yeah. the whole country was watching i think i got a text from mccaffrey i hadn't heard from him in like a year he was watching too because he had yeah. a game that monday so that was pretty cool that is very cool all right so being in year two, what is it like seeing the rookies now and the looks on their faces and everything? Because I remember you you didn't have that wide-eyed look, really. You, you felt like really comfortable right away, it seemed anyway, from the outside looking in. I don't know if it felt that way on the inside. So what is it like seeing these guys now? Um, well, for one, I definitely was not comfortable, but I, <laughs> I'm just a pretty even kill guy. But uh, now seeing the rookies, you know, they, they, they're scared. Like, not scared, but, you know, they just, they just don't know what's about to happen because – this level of football is like nothing they've ever done in their lives. So, um, you know, I just try to give them words of encouragement whenever I can, you know, tell them what to do if I'm in there with them or something like that. But it's pretty funny to see how worried they are about, you know, some simple things like in a walkthrough, you know, they're all like freaking out. And I'm like, we're not even playing yet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you ready for some either ors? Yeah. It's a very, very simple. Let's get it. You're a Stanford guy. You'll be able to figure this out. All right. There we go again. You and there, there it goes. There see, it goes. I, I got that because I went to Brown, so I used to hear that. Oh, so you um, know uh, are you an NBA fan? Yes. Okay. Clay Thompson or Steph Curry? Steph Curry, Charlotte, Char- guy. Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte guy, I figured that. Mm-hmm. All right, retro video game, either NBA Jam or Mario Kart. Mario Kart. Oh, man. 
Okay. Yeah. Do you play now? Do you play video games? I I don't anymore. Not as much as I used to, but um, I, I'm pretty good at FIFA. Okay. Oh, FIFA. Nice. Pretty so good. is DeAndre. Really? A film is being made of your life, the Peter Kalambayi story. Who plays you? Either Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, or Channing Tatum? Chadwick Boseman, for sure. Okay. We've first, had all three now. First vote for That's him. That's the first vote yeah. for Chadwick Boseman. Very, very nice. Okay. You're a boxer and you step in the ring against one of these two in their primes. Either Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson. Are you saying I'm trying to win? I'm just saying you're going in the you're ring. You're trying to live. You, it's, up, it's up to you, however you perceive it. Either Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson. Some people would say I'd rather face this guy because I went up against the Beast or I went against Ali to say I went against Ali. It's up to you how you see it. I think I'd rather face Ali because I think I'd have a better chance. See? <laughs> there we go. Peter, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck this uh, year. Thanks, thanks. There's Peter Kalambai, one of 75 players on the roster from Stanford. No, it just feels like that. You have four players from Stanford. You have Brennan Scarlett, Justin Reed, Johnson Batamosi, and Peter Kalambai. These Stanford guys are great. We did a 53. That's our episodic series on different players and how they made their way out to the roster. Justin Reed was the subject of one of them, and it was a great feature. It's on HoustonTexans.com. Just search for it on Google. You'll find it. It's up on YouTube as well. And we talked with David Shaw, their talented head coach out there, who I always felt like could get a gig in the NFL, but he's happy at Stanford, and who can blame him? It's such a beautiful place to coach football of any kind. And i got to say this. Josh Ferguson's coming up right now, and – This is a running back who, I said, it was a mix. It's a big mix of players. We'll see how it shakes out. He's a speed guy. You know that Lamar Miller and Deontay Foreman are the guys. But as we all know, injuries occur. Sometimes other guys rise to the top for some reason. Sometimes you just need a spot start or you need big plays out of your third back. Think of what Alfred Blue was able to do for this team over the years. Now he's a Jacksonville Jaguar. In any case, Ferguson's a super nice guy. And Johnny and I interviewed a bunch of players throughout OTAs, and some of these guys who may or may not be on the 53-man roster, you get the feeling that it's so hard for the coaches once they get to know these guys, and then eventually you might have to cut some of them. I mean, you do have to cut some of them. You have to cut 90 down to 53. You get to do the practice squad as well. But super nice kids, and you just want to see them find a way in the game of professional football. And Ferguson is just a super guy that – I had never met before, but we had him here in studio and asked him all sorts of stuff, like what it was like to join the Houston Texans in 2018 and become part of the outfit here. It was it was awesome to join the team uh, last year and watch the success that they did have, and I'm really excited about this upcoming season. Josh, for people that haven't had a chance to see you play, and I remember seeing you at Illinois, and I was like, "Whoa, he's got some juice." Sure. What would you tell the Texans fans, like, "Hey, man, I haven't had a chance to see you play," like? What are you all about? Like, what what will fans see when they get a chance to watch you play? Yeah, speed guy, uh, quickness. I like to catch the ball and really do whatever I'm asked. But um, catching has been a little bit of my forte since college, so definitely looking to exploit that a bit. What is it like as a professional when you're – I mean, you've been with two other squads that are bitter rivals of this team. You know, yeah, the Patriots yeah. and the Colts, my gosh. Sure. So what is it like, though, when you have different addresses like that where you're working and you're trying to catch on and, and just operate on a consistent basis sure. for many years? Yeah, yeah, last season was a bit uh, <laughs> more difficult than the seasons past uh, with all the moving, but um, it was a blessing in disguise. I learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about being a professional, and uh, it's good to be in a bit of a home now. So, 
Josh, right. what about this running back room? You got yeah. Lamar, you got Deontay, guys have been around for a little bit. You're in there, buddy's in there. And then you bring in, I guess he's in your room because he's a fullback. Colin Glaspia, yeah, yeah, yeah. the 12th man, comes in. What's that running back room like? It's thick in there, man. <laughs> it's thick in there, no doubt. Um, the competition <laughs> is high, but that's NFL football. Shoot, that's, that's sports in general. So I'm excited to be a part of it. we got some good guys. Uh, it's been a pleasure learning from uh, Lamar and competing with the rest of in OTAs, for the running backs, you're not really getting hit. So what's really important to you in that environment? I'd say the first step for a guy like me is to show him that you can learn the playbook, go out there and execute the playbook, um, you know, catch the ball, make uh, all the right cuts, the right reads, and fulfill all your assignments and techniques. So I think that's the biggest thing, showing that you have the mental capacity to play this game. There's Josh Ferguson. We visited with him in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. That was actually prior to the OTA sessions getting going. And one note on running backs that have been in the league that haven't done a ton, and you're wondering, is this really worth it to them, to the organization that picks them up? I always go back to Justin Forsett. Justin Forsett was a player who really hadn't done much. He came here and backed up Arian Foster, did a really solid job. He'll forever be known for the guy who had the touchdown that wasn't but was against Detroit Thanksgiving 2012. Well, a couple of years later, he's in Baltimore, and he is blowing it up. 1,400-plus yards, a ton of touchdowns, goes to the Pro Bowl. You just never know how careers are going to go. There are too many examples of guys who, I hate to say come out of nowhere, but guys who are not overnight successes but then they become successful due to hard work. Maybe some luck involved, maybe not. Maybe some luck in terms of you didn't get hurt or somebody else did that gave you an opportunity. Whatever the case is, that's why it's worth sticking around as long as you possibly can in this business. All right, that's going to do it for the show tonight. A couple of pointers here. Pointers? A couple of reminders. Here's a pointer. Uh, <laughs> watch Texans 360 Saturday night at 11 on ABC 13. John Harris and Drew Doherty. And Johnny's going to talk not only about the Texans, but a bit about the biggest weekend in Houston football history, maybe. I don't think I'm overhyping it, because when you have the Texans home opener against the Jaguars on Sunday, you have the Longhorns in town on Saturday night playing Rice, and the night before that, you have the Cougars, and the Cougs, this is a good Cougs team, taking on Mike Leach and Washington State the Friday night before. That's a triple-header Friday, Saturday, Sunday at NRG Stadium in September. He'll talk about that on Texans 360. It's been a pleasure to have you listening to the program tonight. Thank you, Brandon, for producing. Have a great evening, and go Texans!